1: This is everything elite, the world's best podcast for all elite wrestling in the elite extended universe. I am Mike Spears. Aaron Bentley is currently on the tr- on the free wins right now. He signed sell- he signed a billion dollar a billion year contract. We'll see if he ever comes back. But I'm not alone. Nate is here as well. What's up, Nate?
2: Hello, it's me. Uh, it's Nate. Is that
1: a is that a reference to something? The the billion year contract on the free
2: wins is that a thing?
1: You apparently did not read Going Clear or watch the documentary going <laughs>
2: <Clear>. <laughs> No, it's true. I did not. I read a lot of forum posts uh, about, about people going clear, but I have not. And I visited, of course, the uh, Museum of Death, but I right. have not read the book. I don't read books. I do watch documentaries, but I haven't watched that one.
1: It's a decent documentary. You know, I mean, it's not anything new at this point, you know. When it came out, it was kind of oh, shocking. Okay, now yeah. this is
2: ringing, ringing a bell. Yeah, a billionaire contract. Okay. This yeah. sounds... Is the Free
1: Ones the name of the ship? The Free Ones is the name of the got ship, it. yes.
2: Okay, it's coming together for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron is on vacation, so it's just, so Aaron's left us at home. Aaron has so.
2: pledged his life to Xenu. Um, we're very happy for him.
1: Oh, yeah. We got declared, though. Like, we're suppressive people.
2: Right. That is unfortunate. Um, it's going to gonna really fuck things up around the whole group chat when aaron has uh the c org agents come and try and uh hassle us for being suppressive people that's too bad but you know we're we're happy that he's you know got a got employment stability now from now until the end of eternity
1: yeah i mean what's what's after one billion years you might as well just re-up at that point you know it's it, this is the stability like that our generation craves for you you would think that they would like market like hey guys you 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 know people who are in their late 20s and 30s you entered the job market at like the worst time in modern history do you consider scientology do you consider c Org?
2: yeah that's uh i do i wonder what kind of pension you get on a billionaire contract like oh yeah is it another billion years that they support you with a pension plan or at that point are they like i guess you better have saved
1: (laughs) you've had all this time you've had over you've had almost four billion days to save up like this is all i knew at that point
2: yeah even just a a thousandth of a cent would have gone a long way per day yeah
1: yeah i'm thinking about like i i don't know if you ever had the these in like math classes growing up like the idea of when they try to teach you about interest and the idea of like Mm -hmm. if would you rather have if you take a dollar and you put in the bank and you get like one percent interest per day and it's trying to show you like you if you save you can do like that like just put the half penny in right now in a billion years you're you, you probably won't be a billionaire but you'll be doing okay you'll be doing okay
2: yeah i didn't uh i do remember that in math class as i think we probably discussed on a patreon show i probably didn't learn it because i was playing tetris on my texas instruments calculator at the time um but it does make me think of the funny tweets uh from like Hustle LLC Twitter that are like, <laughs> would you rather have a million dollars right now or $50,000 in passive income or something? And people, right? Yeah, very, those always amuse. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I know, like, th- those would you, would you be okay getting punched in the face for a million dollars? Those Twitter <laughs> accounts. I i know Rich is a huge fan of those as well. Yeah. Like, fall, you have to live in this, uh you have to live in this, uh, a mansion in Beverly Hills. You get to, (laughs) but you must be with like your first three people that you have blocked on Twitter. Like, Oh,
2: that's a fun one. I don't have uh, anybody blocked on Twitter. I have the, the official South Park Twitter account is maybe the only one I have blocked. Maybe that (laughs) T-Mobile guy, you know, the T-Mobile guy who's in all of his own ads.
1: Yeah. And he always would promote his shit and it would be all over your timeline. You're just like, I'm tired of seeing this. Eventually you just hit, I'm blocking T-Mobile.
2: Yes. I think those are the only two accounts I have blocked because I was tired of their ads
1: as um, you should be yeah
2: everybody else i just mute because it's the same thing as a block except it doesn't give them the satisfaction of knowing that they that you blocked them
1: absolutely i i mean the block is really just like the last like that's when you're like you want them to know that you're pissed off and just just hit mute and go on if you're live yeah
2: you know? see, i see personally i have never been pissed off i'm always laughing and never mad so it just doesn't apply to me yeah
1: I mean, whereas I'm like always mad and always starting shit, so you know it's the it's the dichotomy. That's Mike's here.
2: secret. He's always angry. I mean, you know, popular just... film reference.
1: Yeah, that is popular film. I guess I I I don't know the reference you're making. It's from the Avengers. Yeah, no, I've never seen. An never
2: seen the Joss Whedon classic Mike,
1: his no. tour de
2: Forest*, his magnum opus.
1: No, like I was the worst person to get a movie pass thing because I burnt myself out of movies like Mm. grad school. I was seeing like three movies in the theater each week. I had to go to the art house to go watch movies. I was burnt out there. I used my movie pass three times. It was to go see Death of Stalin, uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams came around. And what was it? I I watched one of them with Drew and Carrie. I forgot what it was. But yeah, I was the worst person for movie pass.
2: That's funny. I I got a good amount of use out of my movie pass, I think. Uh, I was living in New York for part of it, so I was finding lots of excuses to go to different movie theaters. I did also use it on Death of Stalin. Uh, That was here in Illinois, though. Um, So that's funny. And I did also see the Cave of Forgotten Dreams, but that was pre-movie. I think I saw it on its original release in 3D at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, so I did not yet have a movie pass at that point.
1: The only 3D movie that I was like, you know what? The 3D effects here, you know, it's working for me because I'm looking inside a cave cave art and Werner Herzog's using 3D cameras. This is the only time you should be able to use 3D.
2: Uh, I like... I'm not opposed to 3D. I think 3D is a perfectly fine tool, Um, but it seems to be dead now anyway, so whatever.
1: It's gone the way of the HD DVD, so...
2: Yes, RIP. All
1: right. Rip to a real one. Uh, if you want to chance yourself and catch a mute, and you'll never know, you could follow us all on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is at everything AEW. Uh, Aaron is at Aaron like the car. His tweets are monitored by the Scientology Flag Office, so just be careful there. Nate is at Epitasis, and I'm at FujiHea. You can subscribe to the podcast if you do so on the Apple Podcast app. Please throw us a. Five star rating and review. We are also part of the Voices Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on their feed or on our feed. And of course, the best way to support Everything Elite is through our Patreon, which is at patreon.com/slash everything elite, and we'll get more into what is offered there later. But we must finish out this Friday run of Dynamite with playing Elite or Delete. Nate interesting show last night i i I, what was your favorite thing that you came away from the show with
2: uh i thought it was a pretty solid show a kind of um very respectable show to put on when you're on fridays basically non-canon and you don't have a live crowd um you know there was nothing that peaked especially high for me but there was nothing that you know, felt like it was making me mad or wasting my time. So that's uh, always a positive. I'm going to shout out something that I've complained about on this program many, many times, especially that happens on these, li- on these taped shows, because of course they were adding the crowd in post. They were also adding in post a ton of ADR yard dubbed lines by the commentators, uh, to, you know, plug something or, or shout out some fact or, or tidbit that they missed during live commentary, I guess. Uh, but on this show, I thought the sound mix, the audio mix of the crowd to the in-ring action to the commentary was maybe the best ever that they've done for a taped show. The They must have had, I mean, we saw that they had more, I think, workers at ringside than they usually do for these taped shows. Yeah. And I think they uh, I think they just did a really good job of micing those people up. They did a really good job of getting those people to react to the matches. Um, and it just made it feel like a really lively show even though, of course, it was taped and there was no you know, 5,000 people at Daily's Place there. Um, the the issue that we have on some shows where they go backstage and it's an entirely different audio quality or we hear the dubbed lines and it sounds like they recorded it as a wind tunnel, as you said on Twitter, um, didn't happen on this show. Um, so I want to give them a shout out for that because it's been something that's annoyed me a lot and uh, we saw a marked improvement here.
1: Yeah, and it's something that I feel like for this kind of stuff, it's they should be at a point where this shouldn't be something where like nearly every week we're like, oh, the tape show, the sound mix was terrible, and we shouldn't be surprised and be like, hey, good for you all for like normalizing all of your audio and all of that. But it, it it's something that like I like the fact that they had more wrestlers at ringside. Like when you talked about this, like you could actually see them in the front row and the and the hard cam. You were able like to see over their backs, and that gave it a little bit more of a energetic feeling that i wish they kind of would have done before this before Mm -hmm. the wrapping up this run because it was kind of a cool uh it it was a cool aspect to it but yeah no it it wasn't like excalibur shouting into a yeti microphone in a wind tunnel and during a storm going and after this but yeah it was something that i congratulations 15 months and you got it (laughs) yeah that
2: is i think they they just did that when they brought in the full audience of daily space they had the workers still in that front row. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess they're just like, Oh, actually that really, that really adds to the show. Um, And they decided to keep it going, which yeah, it would have been, would have been ideal to have figured that out a while ago, but you know, it happens. Um, But that is one of my favorite things in wrestling. When you really know a crowd or a show is super hot is when you have people in the foreground in front of the ring uh, and you can see them like jumping up and down um, when, when, you know, something exciting happens. That's, that's one of the biggest – that's like the most hype visual indicator for a show that you can have in wrestling. Um, so, yeah, it's cool that they had that.
1: Yeah, and and it's something that you, you would think that – especially for like a, a show that started at 10 o'clock Eastern time on a Friday night, having it look more engaging is going to get – because the people who are going to be casually flipping, if we still believe that there are casual flippers anymore, they see that and they're like, oh, yeah, no, like this looks like it's a pretty – kind of hot show versus like you could barely see people on the side you're like why do they have people like up this close they did not sell enough tickets so like just adding that third side of the ring with with workers i felt like added a whole lot to this up uh, i think my elite thing like I, as you said like this was a pretty enjoyable show this was definitely not it was not nearly as like bizarre as some of the other friday night shows they've had but it also was significantly better than their post double or nothing show i think like that the thing that amused me the most because that's how i treat these shows because of how late they are and they're non-canon the thing that i got a lot of enjoyment this this last week out of was the debut of brock anderson brock anderson and cody had their match against qt marshall and aaron solo brock anderson just like has this it, it was his first ever match and he looked like someone having his first ever match with some ability. Like he's not going to be a, a giant log that they're going to throw out there, but he comes out like wearing, he looked like he was like straight out of territory days. Like the, this kid who last week I was remarking on how much he looked like a typical South care, uh, South Carolina, Georgia football fan. He now looks like someone who t- who tag teamed with someone like filling in on like a, uh, Jim Crockett promotion show in the mid 80s and his body is crazy it's fantastic love a guy showing up with like the established dad gut at age 30 and you know he had a nice uh jackknife but like his jackknife cradle was actually one of the better jackknife cradles I've seen and it just was like one of those things you have Cody who has like the big veneer of like this is a star this is someone that feels current and modern and then Brock Anderson out there, periwinkle blue tights, uh, <laughs> gut, she, uh, hairy chest, and just was completely like a blast right pass. And, you know, this match was a, a whole lot of fun. I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, uh, I was very, very amused by Brock Anderson's look. That's most of what I think I will be tracking throughout his time this promotion. <laughs> um, he, I mean, he, you know, he, he's exactly, I guess, what you would think Arn Anderson's 30-year-old son would look like. So I guess that's good delivers um, <laughs> I, I was i was kind of disappointed he didn't like wear the uh wear the cream polo or pink polo or uh fuchsia polo to the ring is like an entrance jacket but it's just like his <laughs> his sec frat boy polo that he wears uh, yeah I think, I think that'd be a nice nice touch to add to his act um Yeah, you know, the match I was mostly just like, oh yeah, Cody puts the kid over. Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. (laughs) That's funny. Um, And then you know, someday Brock Anderson's going to turn on Cody, and that will be fun too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, The the best thing for Brock Anderson, I think, is that he really needs to tap into his dad and just start like drinking a six pack of beer each night. You know, just full on like this. And then when he turns heel, he has a tag team with J D Drake. That'll be great.
2: Yeah, that'd be a good good pairing. I think. Um, You get J.D. Drake, and J.D. Drake would be much better suited to this attire than his uh, Peter Avalon's Pussy Posse attire, Um, so that would work. Yeah, I I like that idea.
1: Speaking of Peter Avalon's Pussy Posse, the Wingmen, the patron uh, elite of the week is from Raul Raul's online. Okay, wait, my elite is the Wingmen stable giving Orange Cassie a makeover, absolute beast mode jobber gimmick.
2: Yeah, so I'm not. <laughs> I uh, I don't especially like this stable this because they're just like overexposed or something. I don't know. Tony obviously is obsessed with Peter Avalon's pussy posse, and he puts them on every television show, and they're on BTE every week. Uh, but this Roshan does have a great roster of uh, flunkies now. Yeah, and, and 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 low low totem pole guys, jobbers. Uh, but mostly, I like the flunkies. So your, I mean, Peter Avalon is pretty much like a flunky, even though he has he has his own flunkies. <laughs> uh, but Michael Nakazawa on this show, great flunky, absolute great segment where uh, he was like, you know, trying to trying to protect Kenny whenever Jungle Boy would would get a comeback on Kenny, and Kenny ended up throwing him to the to the wolves. There's no do wolves live in the jungle? Throwing him to the tigers in the jungle, I guess.
1: Um, yeah, let's go Tigers.
2: Yeah. Brandon Cutler, also a great flunky. Uh, I've talked about it a lot. Yeah, they <laughs> they they might run into a dangerous point where they have too many over flunkies and then you have to push <laughs> one of the flunkies uh, and then you end up with, like, you know, Michael Nakazawa getting a big push. Um, but, yeah, all, all all these geeks are very amusing.
1: Yeah, it, It's something that, like, the, 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 the flunky issue is there's so many people in this promotion who are great at eating shit. Like Aaron Solo was great at being a flunky in that tag match. Uh, all of the wingmen, especially like Peter Avalon, who knew what he needed to do and had Cesar Benoni's unconscious head in his lap while he was shouting for probably about a good like 15, 30 seconds. Like there were multiple edits back to Peter Avalon screaming about the loss. It was just tremendous.
2: I want to, uh, I want to shout out also Alex Ron Johnston's elite uh, since, since we don't have one for Aaron. Um, yeah. And that is the big LG, Doc Gallows, standing tall at the end of the show, uh, smiling, looking very out of breath. But, and, and I'm adding this, looking also very cool in, in the pantheon of crazy looks in this promotion. Doc Gallows has exceeded his former high point, which was like two weeks ago. And now he's gotten even weirder with it, uh, which I really like. Uh, I'm never going to get tired of the good brothers. Uh, I don't care. And it just, uh, I also I think it's probably smart if you're going to do. A show with like a lot of a lot of heel finishes a lot of heels standing tall we saw it in the handicap match saw it at the end of the show it's 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 safer to do those on a no fans taped show on a friday right because now you can be like oh yeah look the the men of the year beat up darby and pinned him and got a win over him um and you can put that in a video package you know down the line but you don't actually have a, a crowd there getting bummed out and, you know, being like, ah, oh, damn it, I paid my money and my favorite guy lost. Uh so that's a nice nice little booking thing, I think.
1: Yeah, and it's something that with this show, I felt like that that there was a certain kind of sheen that the show had that like this is good that this was the tape show, though there were certain things on this show that would have much rather seen in front of a crowd, you know? Like there's some stuff here that like the whole the whole purpose of a handicap match is to get heat on the babyface trying to face off against the heels, and like there was like perfect time things. I was like oh, the crowd would have gone nuts for Darby doing his insane like stun dog. What was it like a stun dog like pile driver that he did? It was a no, it was a stun dog scorpion death drop that he did. Mm-hmm. Like that would have had like an insane reaction. But at the same time, like you had like so much just general just rowdiness throughout the show and heel shittery that could have killed a live crowd so you know like there's the good and the bad there
2: okay so i just saw that you already picked Alex ron johnson for the listener delete so i'm i'm doing it audible i'm just going to okay. shout out uwu wfi's elite basic cable drama caz cutting promos about god and revenge that was also very sick i'm sure we'll talk about the elite on it yeah
1: uh, i mean frankie kazarian is living like his true life but those are all the solid things on the show uh, nate what on the show would you want to delete
2: um what do i want to delete good question
1: thankfully mike
2: uh took notes here of course with aaron being out aaron typically copious does notes. our copious notes from Mike. um i was aaron's like one of you guys is gonna have to take notes because i'm not gonna be on the show this week <laughs> and i was like well i'm pretty sure if i don't say anything mike's gonna do it uh but worst case scenario if mike doesn't do it there are also 30 aew recaps that will be posted online <laughs> within minutes <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then we can just steal one of those. So that would be fine.
1: Um, and the difference between Aaron's notes and my notes is since I have my notes that I physically take each show, you get my commentary on things such as uh, uh, earlier uh, calling things and Fest, uh, made a lot of comments about how funny Brock Anderson is. And like these are the differences. This is what happens when Mike's in charge and Aaron's not.
2: Okay, I got mine. Um, okay, I, I'm going to disagree with your take here. That's printed also. Uh, this wasn't like especially bad. I thought they actually edited this into a in perfectly presentable segment for television. Uh, considering that in its raw form, it was probably um, not quite that. They also did a good job with the soundtrack on this. The Jim Ross and Andrade interview segment um, just didn't didn't pop, was pretty much nothing. Um, they had subtitles for Andrade's uh, spoken English, which uh, you know, you can understand him fine, uh, but he's also not like, you know, he's not like idiomatic in English where he can yeah. <laughs> say flowery, expressive, super detailed things like a like a John Moxley or a, a Cody or that likes to do a lot. Um, and you know, the, the, there just wasn't wasn't any juice, wasn't any spark to this interview. We didn't see anything from him that made him look like, oh, I've got, you know, a fire in my eyes and I'm going to fucking tear this place down once I get on television and get my shot to be the guy I want to be. Uh, yeah, it just wasn't any of that. It was just like a, a fine little segment. And yeah, you know, uh, a fine little segment, not really helping him out a bunch when, uh, as we talked about last week, his introduction and then the follow-up has is, is basically been... Uh, a lot of nothing
1: yeah and this could have been an opportunity for them to pivot you know like the things that did not work they could have reassessed and changed around to make things a little bit stronger but you know they doubled down on his relationship with Vicky Guerrero they made a big point of like how he was a third generation wrestler Vicky of course is a member of the Guerrero family so like they have a deep history and. wrestling in Mexico and that there's a lot of commonalities there so that's why he is with her and it just was one of those things that like I thought Andrade's promo was fine I mean talking about how he wants the title and how like this the history like like the, the the one like thing about this this thing that kind of like took me aback was the fact that like they showed him on a private plane taking off a slipknot mask. For whatever reason, like he's in like, he's looking sick as hell. And then he looks like he has like a Corey Taylor mask. And I guess that's how he travels is wearing that mask. Like it would make sense if he had like a Sombra style, like traveling mask in a way for like travel. But no, it was like a leather Slipknot mask, which was just wild.
2: I wonder if Slipknot is big in Mexico. I know Slipknot is big in Japan. Mm -hmm. I I could also see them being pretty big in Mexico. That makes sense to me.
1: You you know, that would line up. I I could see that. Uh, My delete, uh, I thought most of the matches on the show were genuinely solid to fun. The one match that just kind of, it went to a point where like, and this is like an overall problem I think I have in the show, so I'm actually audibling out of that. This show felt like, okay, we did this huge batch taping. We taped for three straight days. We have all the stuff in the can. And this was the show that felt most like hey, so uh, this is our last tape show. We're going to go live next Saturday. What do we have left to put on TV? And then let's piece things together from there because not a lot of connective tissue in a way with the show. And it kind of went match, ADR, Alex Marvez backstage, Alex Marvez backstage again, match, match, match. And it just felt kind of in, in a way like, yeah, this is a Friday night's, their last Friday night's, their last taped show for the foreseeable future but it felt like in a way that it was like, okay, we're, we're done here. Like, this is our last show. Let's just throw whatever we have in the can onto the screen. We'll edit it all together. we will do ADR. We'll make sure the ADR sounds fine. And it just was one of those things that really kind of struck me during the, the match I was going to delete, but I'll just bring it up here. During Penelope four versus Julia Hart. This is when I was like, oh, wow. Cause they did not really edit this match whatsoever they left things in that in the past they would not leave in i was like oh they were trying to just get everything they had on the timeline getting it out the door and just be ready to move on to next saturday
2: yeah so yeah there was one one spot in particular where they did a sequence and then the reversal didn't go smoothly and excalibur just like lost his place and was like i don't know what happened there um which was not a not a tremendous job by him avoiding calling attention to that a uh, little fuck up, um, but you know what? Uh, you know it, it. It's like Julia Hart's been in the in the company and in wrestling for like I don't know three days or something. So you know you don't really have an expectation that she's going to go out and, and put on a killer wrestling clinic. Um, but what was frustrating about this was, um, it like you said, no connective tissue. There's no purpose for this match. There's no storyline uh there was no storyline justification coming into this match. Uh it, I think it proved in the end that this match was really just a setup to a feud between two men uh with Brian Pillman and Miro. Um and that's kind of shitty for the one women's match that you ever put on television uh just to use it as a backdrop to this uh feud with Miro. Um I was I was like watching this and I was like okay there's no they've offered no explanation for why this match is happening. Um Penelope has never really had any sort of feud or story other than, you know, uh standing next to kippen and looking pretty. Um and, you know, she had like one title challenge but that was not like, you know, there was no like ongoing feud or any yeah. sort of meat to that story really. Um and then they have the match and it ends up being the setup for Demiro thing and brian pillman jr which is like okay that's a that's a fun little fun little uh first feud for brian pillman jr probably to go against miro probably get killed but you know show some show some baby face fire that's a nice little thing for for the tnt title program for the moment um but yeah it was just kind of frustrating like i don't know Pen- penelope ford comes out and then seems like a big star all through her entrance and then it's like well they don't they don't edit her match so it's just a kind of a raw match on television here. And then it all ends up just as set dressing for this other storyline. And then like <laughs> the storyline you do have happening in this division is Nyla Rose and uh, Britt Baker. So we got a, a promo from Britt Baker and a, a t- title ch- or a match challenge there with Vicky Guerrero. But I don't know, obviously you had time to fill. Maybe mm-hmm. you put, nyla rose on television and have her kill somebody in two minutes and be like hey here's the uh you know challenger to the women's world title she's a former champion by the way she also kills girls i don't understand why they don't do that it would just make the show uh feel a bit more dynamic i think and people love watching squash matches (laughs) like people love watching people get killed in wrestling. so you know that just would have fleshed out the show and i don't understand why they never do that
1: and if you have Nyla squash someone, you could take time away from this match that went like 12 minutes and really only needed to go like six or seven. Yes, for sure. It, it It's just one of those things that like when you look at like for how a figure, how much a figure uh, Britt Baker has been in this promotion and has been treated as such, it's really her. She gets her segment basically every week. And then it's just kind of filling it in and what, what else we can do. And it's not necessarily it, – it's not like that either Penelope Ford or Julia Hart have any sort of storyline going on. They just went out there and, and had a match. Whereas you could actually had stuff building up the next challenger. Like there's right. a lot of things they could have done here that just – that it really felt like they didn't think about at the time. It's like, well, we, we got to get this uh, file over to Turner. Uh, we're about 15 minutes. We're segment short. What do we have left in the can? could be something you i mean this this was like a long dark match that they put on tv yeah Yeah.
2: um and oh so yeah i I complain about this with jade cargill that uh i mean i like the jade cargill and and, and mark sterling thing but before they were doing that when it was just like hey we're gonna build jade cargill by having her do pre-taped promos and video segments every week and it's just like that's fine but you can build her so much better because she's so physically imposing and awesome looking that like just have her go out and kill a girl in two minutes. And that's going to be a much hotter way to build her than having her talk and doing this rigmarole with the with the manager. Um, and that, that goes like, I don't know, double or triple for Nyla. Cause Nyla has like the spots to kill somebody even more effectively than Jade Cargill, like Jade mm-hmm. Cargill, you know, a, a, a more, a newer wrestler. I mean, Nyla has that awesome knee drop from the top spot. Like she can do that to, she can do that to two girls at once. And that's going to get her more hyped and more over than, Oh, I'm going to do, you know, skits with Vicky Guerrero backstage. I, you know, Vicky Guerrero needs to be out of the company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like that a lot of like the weak points on the show were connected by Vicky Guerrero in a way. So that's a, something that kind of gives us a little bit of pause. Uh, Listener to delete Alex Ron Johnson also had a delete as of the time recording The Darby match ended up being fine and probably would have been good in front of a live crowd. It just was half baked and didn't help anyone, which, yeah, it just like it, it, it was a it's a it was an evident like stopping point match like a beat match and not like the big blow off here, but it just kind of like this was a match that needed a crowd for it to even really like make Darby look valiant here and to get over of the year and I totally get where Alex was coming for with that.
2: Yeah, I mean certainly it would have been better with a crowd for sure cuz Darby getting his hope spots in and stuff um would have been better received and you know with the crowd playing along and and getting behind him and shit. Uh but as uh probably betrayed by the fact that I brought it up earlier. I did pretty much like this. Um I like I like a handicap match where the team of two guys wins that's just like oh thank god thank god the team of two guys won in what's supposed to be a simulated athletic competition that's uh you know delightfully logical um it's also i think a good story point in this story of you know darby is with sting and then darby feels like uh overlooked or he feels you know like he's got an inferiority thing because the men of the year are Harping on that Sting is carrying him, so Darby's like, "Well, uh, fine, I'm going to fight you without Sting." Uh, that's a good element to his character, um, and he, you know, it doesn't—he didn't come in here and look like a totally stupid babyface because he also had a plan for this match. He came with the zip tie and is like, "No, the, you know, I, I have a I have a trick in my back pocket that's going to make this work." So, it didn't end up panning out for him because he just got overwhelmed by the numbers. But at least he came with a plan. It's like, "Hey, I'm a babyface. I'm going to try to outsmart you while I'm here." Uh, so that was a good element of it. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I, you know, I, I am not the biggest men of the year advocate, but I thought this was a pretty effective segment, especially on a tape show. Again, it's like, well, hey, you know, you're not, you're not bumming out your Derby fans by having them come to the arena and, and see him get beat. Um, so when this goes on to the next thing and Sting comes back, I oh, also like that Sting didn't show up. Sting didn't come after the match. He's just like, no, I'm I'm a man of my word. I said I'm not gonna be here. I didn't come. Uh so all of that was good to me. It,
1: it it's something where like with it being taped, like yeah, like the, the crowd and bumming out the crowd there, but it's also one of those things where, like you you've taped this and just for no friends, and Derby did a complete header spin out off of a ring post like partway through that looks sick as hell and i was like that is something that i well hey uh,
2: Dar- darby's used to doing those spots in
1: front of no fans <laughs> fair fair i mean usually it's on the opposite side of florida for that but
2: well or or three miles uh from arthur ash stadium at a little place called laboom
1: yeah yeah so I, I i it's something that this match is like I would have been real interested to see how this match would play out live. And you're absolutely right. Like the fact that sting was the absent father who stayed absent in this match. And it's like, no, you said you had this. So I'm staying at home and did not appear like this. This has to be like one of like a handful of shows that did not have a sting appearance since he debuted. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. So and there were definitely people that were like, ah, oh, sting is going to show up too. Okay? Yeah. He, he told, he told somebody told me something in wrestling. So the opposite's going to happen. It's like, no, actually sting, uh Says what he means; it means what he says.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things that Sting, you know, he is kind of Darby's adopted father. Uh, Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for for Harry Dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code. This is at Manscaped.com. And the great thing about the Lawnmower 4.0 is it has the fourth generation trimmer with cutting edge cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology but it's also wirelessly charged as a multi-function on and off switch and a travel lock which is probably something that is a good thing that if you're carrying this thing on you don't want the, this to like start start going off in the security line when you're flying so having a travel lock there is important it also has the new wireless charging system that uses electromagnetic induction which can help battery length last longer. And wireless charging ball trimmers are now a thing as well. You can get the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which is the best nose hair trimmer on the market and the perfect gift for your pops. And you can get all of this with promo code THISIS. And you'll get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and promo code THISIS. Don't forget that you came from your dad to balls. This year, show your original Homesome love with Manscaped. So we went through the good and the bad of the show. There was a lot of stuff that we didn't even get a chance to get into with this week's Dynamite. And we started off with a cold open with Jake Hager and Chris Jericho and Wardlow and Sean Spears split screen walking because we started off the show with our MMA cage rules match with Wardlow versus Jake Hager Had to be reminded that his entrance nickname was Rock Hard Jake Hager. Completely forgot about that. And Jake Hager won this match by tentacle submission in the second round with his head and arm scarf choke.
2: Yeah, this was fun. Um, It was a good, unique, different energy to open the show. uh, Which I always like when they do and just try and make, you know, try and get away from any sort of format and make you feel like you're seeing something fresh and, and vital every time you turn on the episode. So I liked that. Um, I, you know, I also like, if you're going to have Wardlow lose a singles match at this point, which they have avoided doing, uh, you know, pretty much like since his cage match against Cody, uh, I think smart to do it in a context where it's like, oh, he's not an MMA fighter. He's in enemy territory. He's doing a rule set that he's not trained for or whatever. And I think that was a, a smart way to give him some coverage on that aspect, um and yeah, the the first the first round I thought was like, oh wow, this is you know pretty it a lot of worked MMA, especially when they do it in wrestling, will make you just sit there and be like, Oh, this looks so fucking stupid. Both these guys don't have any idea what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I thought they you know, Hager you kind of expect is gonna be decent at this because he's had a handful of cage fights. But Wardlow I thought was very impressive. Sort of he he's in there like looking imposing looking like he's sort of confident but there's just like the slightest bit of unease where it's like oh he again doesn't know what he's doing in a cage he's uh not a you know trained mixed martial artist uh and he there's just a, the little bit of uh, the littlest bit of selling from him on that was very impressive to me that's why uh, of course he is the next day batista um and then yeah it got like got like sillier as the rounds went on Um, but silly kind of in a fun way still. So I I was I expected this a good amount more than I expected to. I did I say expected, I liked this a good amount more than I expected.
1: Yeah, this was something that like this could have been really bad. This could have been like 15 minutes of pulled punches and and grappling where it's just like, okay, we're moving hold to hold to hold. Instead they're like, okay, we're gonna do some well, we're going to do some like stand-up stuff and the stand-up stuff you know what i mean we all know that this was worked in mma so you, you, i'm not going to judge like this sh- the strikes or anything like that because that's pointless but then they decided to like lighten it up by him doing by wardlow doing a showtime punch doing that off the cage and and then him just like starting to do wrestling moves in this <laughs> match like he did power bombing to Terrace. <laughs> and it just was like perfect you know like wardlow like as you said like he's not trained here like and it's one of those things that like he relied on his brute power and he relied on what he had skill in and then of course hager you know like survived like the first rush was survived it and eventually it was like, all right, going for my, my scarf choke, going for my head and arm triangle that I've won all my matches with. And there we go. And it was completely logical. I mean, it, it, if anything is like protected, it's the fact that, you know, Jake Hager has won actual fights with his choke. So the fact that Wardlow flipped him off and went out, did not tap, doesn't hurt Wardlow at all.
2: Yeah. I, uh, you know, he's won more fights with the knee to the balls. So I would have liked to see that. That would have been. <laughs> <laughs> good uh you know that's just a signature move but you know MMA is not like wrestling of course so you can't always get your signature move in um and you know they actually shot this pretty well too i complain about the direction of this promotion a lot but you know, there's like a jab in the first round where they cut away from it it's like a wide shot of the cage that made it look really good
0: mm-hmm. and then
2: when they opened it up and they're like hey you know just go all out and you're just going to throw bombs at each other and, and swing wildly and, and try and hit each other you know, a lot of time with worked in May, you'll see like, oh, they're throwing open hand slaps to each other's body on that. And that wasn't like super evident here. It was like, oh, no, you can see they're like they're not in control, but they're ducking away from each other. So they're not hitting or connecting on these. But it actually looks like a flurry and like they're getting around the cage and, and trying to get each other. So I was uh, I was impressed by all that.
1: Yeah, it, it was something that it came off as well as I think it could and surprised us in a way in the post match. Jake Hager went for knuckles, went for respect. However, Sean Spears blindsided and Jericho and Wardlow brawled. MJF came out and went for the elbow. Dean Malenko pulls MJF away. MJF then forearms him to shock and awe of the announcers. And Samuel Guevara comes to, to clear out, clear the hat, clear the ring. And they were clearly then moving on to the big storyline of MJF and Samuel Guevara have to say, Jericho did not sell it off for Wardlow during this brawl, but as soon as MJF came out there, he was selling like crazy.
2: Uh, yeah, his his selling for the Salt of the Earth was very goofy to me. Um, they, you know, they were trying to do this scene like like when there is a post fight scrum. you know, like Conor McGregor's involved in a fight or whatever, and people are climbing up the the walls of the cage and people are diving in, and it turns into this huge fucking melee. It feels like that's what they were going for. And it didn't really get there because it was like, oh, MGF's got (laughs) got an armbar on Jericho. And Jericho's like, ah, my arm. Um, So that was kind of silly. Um, uh, Also very amusing about this was Sammy Guevara's music opens by going Sammy Guevara. And (laughs) that happens. It goes Sammy Guevara. And then Tony Schiavone was like, you know what that means? It's Sammy Guevara. And it's like, yeah, no shit.
1: (laughs) It just makes things easier when like your singer is just your name.
2: Yeah, you should really have that just extended to everybody on the roster.
1: Just have it be like Frank Kazarian. It's like, oh, the Elite hunter's here. We're ready to go.
2: You know what that means.
1: Oh, I do know what that means. As we went backstage to Penta, Eddie, and the Elite Hunter, Frankie Kazarian. Uh, Kazarian was doing a whole bunch of Bible quotes, just really getting it out there. Penta stood in the back and his Joker would get up. And then Eddie told them to pray to their God and ask for their souls because the bodies will be left in the ring really effective tandem just like was made perfect by the fact that Penta was just standing in the background with his face paint, staring right at the camera as Eddie and Kazarian were just being wild.
2: Yeah. Frankie needs to never show the slightest bit of levity or ever engage any um, ironic appreciation of the elite hunter. He just needs to play it deathly serious. Like this is the most important thing in his life, uh, until the end of time and do things like quote Bible verses and hopefully like quote, whatever shitty metal acts, uh, all of that will be great to me and I would love it. And I'll become a huge Frankie Kazarian, the elite hunter fan.
1: I mean, it's kind of hard to not to be the, an elite hunter fan at this point. Uh, did you catch the road to where he had the workout in the desert and it started off like with like (laughs) subtitles, the desert survival. And it's just like, this is perfect.
2: I, I caught literally only that part of the
1: road, too. I was like,
2: well, I got to see what this is about.
1: <laughs> and we stayed backstage. Team Taz was there. However, there was no Brian Cage. Taz brought up that there are issues. There's no Cage here. And Taz had that for a reason because he wanted to pull Ricky Starks a- aside and tell him to drop his beefs. And before Ricky could say anything, Powerhouse Matt Hobbs is mad about how last week everyone left him behind to be- to lose to Hangman and Ten. And then Taz challenged uh page for Hobbs for, I th- it was for next week. It will be on Saturday night dynamite and, and hook is in the foreground the entire time. Just menacing.
2: Yeah. Never, never looking away from the camera. Um, so uh, pretty, pretty hard to take your eyes off hook here. Uh, but I also like, you know, the, the Brian cage thing where he's been breaking up with team Taz has been uh, was annoying to me in the beginning, but I do like powerhouse Hobbs. Having his frustration here, that you know, the, this bullshit ended up with him being left alone um, and you know vulnerable. Uh, and I like Taz being like, okay, well, you know, now we're gonna get our get our comeuppance on that. We're gonna have a top a top singles wrestler, a top wrestler in this company, Adam Page against the top singles wrestler in this company, Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, I just like like that like that push, like that shine that they're giving to Powerhouse Hobbs here.
1: Yeah, this this was really effective. Almost all Team Taz stuff has been very effective when it comes to the promos thing. It's just all the uh, all the shying away from staying, like the back and forth, that kind of where it falls flat. But this was great.
2: Yeah, a lot of the uh, holding pattern stuff, where it's like, well, we have good ideas for where we are and where we're finishing. We just don't have all the super ideas for how we're gonna do that week by week by week instead of just having these confrontations in the ring.
1: Yeah. And then we had the handicap match. Men of the year defeat Darby Allen when Ethan Page hits Darby Allen with the Ego's Edge. We covered this pretty thoroughly earlier. Then we had Orange Cassie defeating Cesar Bononi with the Orange Punch. This was just like we talked about how many like goons and how many just absolute just minions we have here orange cassidy each time he going outside them trying to make over him using spray tan was like the perfect thing to have at about 10 35 at night where like you're getting tired you're about to get you're about to go to bed after this is over and you just have like an utterly bizarre match with cesar bononi like just just being cesar bononi the bone zone infected orange Cassidy constantly getting more clothes and spray tan applied to him before he eventually wins with a lot of shenanigans
2: yeah, the visual of orange in the in the jacket and shit, uh was pretty fun. Uh this the, uh, this probably would have killed in front of a live
1: crowd. Oh yeah. yeah like these two matches back to back in front of a live crowd. Like you bring them down with Darby losing, and you bring them right back up with best friends in Orange Cassidy, and you end it with the moment of Peter Avalon crying with Cesar Benoni's head in his lap. You know, Death is mm-hmm. Superman right there. <laughs> uh we went backstage. Alex Marvez, who a lot of Alex Marvez. Like Alex Marvez was all over this episode he uh he was backstage of jungle boy and they were about to have a promo but kenny omega don callis and michael nakazawa come screaming by it in a golf cart literally screaming uh jungle boy had a jansport with him kenny's in plain clothes but is mad about last week he challenges him to a street fight right there right then right there and he called them numb nuts. he offered him the first shot but as jungle boy was putting down his book bag putting his hair up uh, taking off his watch, Michael Nakazawa attacked him with one of the Delta on laptops that he has every week. They tried to, d- to gang up on him, but as soon as Jungle Boy started to get the advantage, Don and Kenny ran away.
2: Yeah, there were a lot of little moving parts of this that I enjoyed. I like the consistency with Kenny's character where he keeps trying to get guys to give up their shot against him, uh, like he did with Orange Cassidy. Um, and here he's like, oh, you no, know, whatever, next week, don't, don't worry about it. Let's have a street fight right now um but jungle boy you know i think played it like a like a pretty smart baby face so that works for him uh but really when they started <laughs> after they attacked him uh and then jungle boy starts coming back don callous was very funny how he's <laughs> like oh well I, I was cheering you on but now i'm gonna get off camera uh that amused me and then as i mentioned earlier like as soon as that happened dakazawa runs in and just like pulls kenny away because he's the uh you know mewling little flunky or whatever and then they're getting on the golf cart and uh jungle boy goes after him and Nakazawa goes to get on and Kenny just like pushes him off. He's like, no, you you deal with this. Uh, also amused me greatly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I like, I like, you know, I've, I've pretty much since the beginning, I've been high on the Kenny and Don act. Um, and it's, yeah, really coming together with Kenny being like this, uh, you know, shitty little coward who, you know, always wants to press this advantage with his, with his old man.
1: Yeah. Uh, Michael Nakazawa had a pretty funny tweet after this saying, some people on Twitter have asked me which one King Omega thinks me as, a friend or just a human shield. No doubt he thinks of me as his best friend. That's a stupid question. He buys me a new laptop every time I hit someone like this and break <laughs> it. He is my best friend. Good to hear. Love to hear it. Fantastic. Just flunky behavior there. He and... did.
2: Michael Nakazawa had a super depressing Twitter profile for a while.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh,
2: I'm glad. I'm glad he's getting more to do. On television, assuming that, you know, that's important to him since he, you know, moved and went to a foreign country and all this. Shit.
1: Yeah. And he gets a lot of Dell and laptops to break. You know, I mean. Yeah. hell, I mean, th- those are those are the laptops. That, I mean, like you remember those like you like look at them. You're like, oh, this is a laptop that probably be really enjoyable to destroy. And now he gets to do it on a <sighs> weekly basis. Yeah.
2: I would like to see the screen get snapped off the keyboard more often. That's, I think, the real oh, yeah. real juice to a laptop attack. Um, but I guess you got to save that for the big spot.
1: No, absolutely. Sticking with Alex Marvez, he must have just like walked around and they are like, all right, this is the time for the next Marvez segment. He is with the Hardy family office. Matt Hardy is mad at Christian and talks about contracts. Christian storms in and they lock Christian in an industrial storage area as private party can't lock him up. Uh, Matt tries to bribe Christian into retirement, and Christian says, let me out. But Matt Hardy, being the smart person on this show, just walks away and shoves the check in between the uh, chicken wire. There, uh, this was a funny segment. Like Matt Hardy, like uh, very astutely points out as he's going to outwit everyone that he was able to like take advantage of the situation here.
2: Yeah, well, I set him up for that. Of course, that was that was me giving him the idea after the fact. Uh, right. This was the this was the point in the show where I was getting frustrated that every interview segment always has some kind of attack. Uh, and to do two of them back to back in a row, just like really calls attention to that when you just don't have, you can space them out and then they're, it's less obvious. Um, it's all, it does seem like they do, they do things in, in streaks where it's like, okay, on this episode, we're going to have four interviews with Tony going out to talk somebody. And then next week it's going to be four interviews with Alex Marvez. Like, it seems like you could space those out or, or mix those in, yeah. in a different way to make it work better. Uh, But yeah, so this was um, the the, (laughs) private party chanting, lock him up. It's very funny to me. And then they also (laughs) tweeted, lock him up. Uh, I don't don't know what inspired them to do that, uh, but it's very funny.
1: It was great energy there. Uh, Then we had Cody Rhodes and Brock Anderson defeating the factory members, QT, Marshall, and Aaron Solo, when Brock converted the Solo pedigree into the best jackknife cradle I've seen of all time. So yeah, was there anything else you want to touch on this match before we move on? No, it was it was a solid tag match. Like it was classic Southern tag and Cody indulgences. And Cody, you know, decided that uh, it's important for Brock to win with a jackknife cradle. So th- they're bringing Flash Pinson in this promotion finally again.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess the, <laughs> the funny thing to me is, is Brock Anderson winning his first match, which I guess <laughs> is maybe what you want to do. And you'd be like, hey, he's the son of a star and we're we're going to push him. So we haven't had people start from undefeated very often so let's give it a try right. um and you know solo's a fine guy to beat for that so whatever
1: yeah and then we had uh lance archer and jake the snake roberts they're in an abandoned barn jake is mad about how he didn't get to kick down a forbidden door like all these doors have been kicked down and there's a forbidden door but he doesn't get to do that archer's behind him stomping and jake roberts says and it was very hard for me to pick up what he was saying but he says, Lance Archer. The only reason why he's not a doctor is because he has no goddamn patience. And then Archer shouted and Jake went, ah, I got to go. And they left. Great segment.
2: Uh, <laughs> that's like almost a Jerry Lawler line. Not a doctor because I have no patients. Yeah. Um, I do. Tony, Tony, like. This forbidden door thing. It was a mistranslation of a Tanahashi promo. Yeah or a, a yeah, a machine mistranslation of a Tanihashi promo, uh, which got over on Twitter and Tony was like, Oh, that's great. I'm going to trademark that and use it for myself. So now, now he just uses it all the time. He used it very amusingly in sports illustrated when they were talking about this big upcoming show that well, we haven't touched on, but they announced a show for September 22nd at Arthur Ashe stadium in New York. Um, and he's he said that it was like forbidden opening the forbidden door to another sport because they're doing <laughs> running a tennis venue, which is uh very very silly, but I I like it. Um yeah, and just I don't know. <laughs> the 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 phrase doesn't have that much meaning or juice, but he, you know, he went to the trouble of I guess trademarking it. So he's like, I'm gonna use forbidden door all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just now everyone has to talk about the forbidden door because It's been trademarked, and if Tony's going to do it, then then the rest uh, do. Uh, Ta-Nehisi
2: should come and challenge him be like, you trademarked my
1: intellectual property. I came up with Forbidden Door, buddy.
2: Uh, We should have a match for it in
1: New York. Prior use. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Just ending the segment with just uh, Jake Roberts literally screaming, ah, I got to go. It was just one of the more bizarre things on this very bizarre episode of Dynamite uh we had the jr and andrade sit down talk then alex marvez again this time he was backstage with adam hangman page in the dark order where he brought up the match with hobbs page accepts but really wants to drink with friends alex marvez brought up that he's number two in the rankings and is probably next in line against the winner of jungle boy and kenny omega page immediately changed the subject and complimented the entire dark order instead and and was able to squash the interview by ending it with giving Evil Uno a toast.
0: In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing slab packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value Off again. That's arena club.com slash v o w net. Arenaclub. dot slash v o w net for ten percent off your first purchase on Arena Club, and we thank them for sponsoring the Voices Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Yeah, so I I guess I should uh, do a mega copa because they actually did not do an attack segment here. I guess they don't do them for Dark Order segments that much because uh, they they think the they think the appeal is in the humor. Of this act and that's probably right um but yeah this was this was a good segment for pages character because it's like um you know he seems like he's being a good guy but he's mostly doing it because he doesn't want to ask the answer the question about kenny omega and being a title challenger because he's you know afraid of afraid of that challenge um disrupting his good time or whatever Uh, I i think that's very illustrative of the adam hangman page character so good segment
1: very relatable very relatable there uh, Penelope Ford defeated Julia Hart with a bridging Indian death lock that she held on very long afterwards. Afterwards, as we talked about earlier, Miro Cabe came out at wondering where Kip was. He is God's favorite champion and acted like he was here to help Penelope since it was the varsity blondes and just Penelope Ford. He took out Garrison and Garrison went flying for this. And then at off frame, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. hit a top row dropkick and we had a pull apart setting up that match for their Wednesday night return to TNT on the 30th.
2: I, they did, uh, I think they did do a good job in this about playing up Penelope being like mean or cruel, Yeah, um, which I think is uh, also something they should play up about her character. Um, I, I was just looking it up because she's actually apparently from Arizona, but I do think of her as like a Philly girl because she's right. from CZW, from, from the Deej Dojo. Um, and yeah, that's like a, I think that's kind of integral to her character also. It's like, no, no, she's like, she's like a Philly girl. Like she's a mean <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they should, they should lean on that more.
1: Yeah. Uh, she apparently was one of the, I, I, I don't know what wing Bull is, but apparently there's people who model or cheerleader cheerlead for I wing bowl. And apparently she was a part of that.
2: I do remember this. She, yeah, she won won the the wing bowl and and got a got a giant like Ric Flair coat, and then Charlotte Flair shouted out her Ric Flair uh, coat on Twitter about it. Uh, but yeah, she also did a tweet that she was also a uh, cheerleader at like Arizona State. Maybe she does seem like an Arizona State girl too. So yeah, that also she has a,
1: she, she has Tempe energy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it was like I don't know what they were. They were like cheerleading. Mm-hmm. jackets or something um but that makes sense that that makes sense with them doing a uh dueling hand spring elbow spot that kind of <laughs> went south that that all fits in
1: yeah yeah uh we went backstage this time it was with tony schiavone he was with brit baker and Rebel. and as soon as they were starting to talk vicky guerrero comes out complains about the cheeseburger smell backstage talks about cheese sauce on big macs which they don't have cheese sauce has an obsession with cheeseburger and she went to Nyla Rose to have a title match. She brought up that Tony Khan owns, owes her a favor for bringing in Andrade Elidolo. and Vicky got is using the favor to make the match, but the match is Brit and Rebel versus Nyla and Vicky for 6.30 Wednesday Night Dynamite.
2: Yeah, um, so I don't, I, you know... I don't think a Vicky Guerrero match especially draws for your big return to Wednesday's live. Um, I also they, – they they did a weird thing here. It's like, oh, we have a really good reason to make this match happen within in Kfib. Like, Vicky brought in Andrade, so now Tony owns her a favor so she can get whatever match she wants. But then she picks this match, which is – why why does she want this match? Doesn't Nyla just want like a, a world title match? Wouldn't that be what the match she should try to get would be? So that's confusing to me.
1: Um there's but, so many different matches she could do. Like you could say, like, oh, Nyla's gonna get this title shot because she's so high ranked. I'm gonna pick a match where we I, I don't know. We're gonna throw Britt Baker in against Nyla Rose, against uh Thunder Rosa, against Hikaru Shida and we're just gonna She's got to, to get through all of that because we're going to get that title shot. But I'm using my favor to make sure right. that when we get the title match, it's over. Yeah, but no, that,
2: that that would have made sense. I did. Some people in our replies were saying, oh, no, they're going to they're going to switch it. And Vicky's not going to wrestle. They're going to replace her with Taya Trinidad on the live show as a surprise, which would would make sense as far as, OK, well, now now you can put Andrade with Taya. That's an upgrade. Now right. you can have Taya in the match instead of Vicky. That's an upgrade. Uh, now, now you kind of have a a unit that's like Andrade, Taya, Nyla, and Vicky. That almost that that upgrades the unit. I don't know if it's still what you want to do with Andrade, but um, I guess then you can just kind of break break Andrade and Taya away from them. So all those things would be great. Um, but there was no. It, it wasn't like Vicky came and said a partner of. A partner of Nyla's choosing. She's like, no, I'm. I, I want to wrestle a Rebel. She's really excited to get in there with Rebel. So there was not actually any like breadcrumbs that that's what they're headed to. Yeah, uh, but I guess I'll just cross my fingers because uh, you know it does seem like Tay is probably not going back to WWE. I know she was at the PC a while ago, uh, but nothing seems to have come from that. And then they just fired her husband. So um,
1: yeah, I guess that's. I'll cross my fingers and hope that's where this is going. Then we had a taped. Interview segment FTR and Santana and Ortiz. This was real solid. This was like straight out of like a road to sit-down talk where FTR and Santana and Ortiz they were comparing each other's backgrounds, saying, like, oh, we had it tough growing up in rural North Carolina. Oh, we had it tough growing up in New York City. FTR said that Santana Ortiz lost their edge. However, Santana Ortiz said they were carrying the company for the last two years, and yeah, the titles. Yeah, we know we didn't get the house. The house will always be there, but for right now, we need to focus on destroying you and proving that we are the top team. And then FDR said, like you'll thank us after this match. I thought that this probably was the best interview segment on the show, I would say, other than like the really bizarre funny stuff.
2: Yeah, well, I I think it could have been executed better. It was you're you're right that it was it was like a good road to segment. Um I think we've seen better from uh santana ortiz on these like that that one where they went and shot them in new york and all sorts of sites around new york and walking across Mm -hmm. an industrial bridge or whatever um that that was a more memorable one from them fdr is kind of like fdr hair had some had some good content here it's like yeah okay you grew up in new york city great you know have you ever not had uh running water in your home have you ever you know had to live in a car like those are those are good points to hit, but he kind of, I think just rushed through them. And I don't know, you got, I, I think that's just kind of where you see a little bit of the, the limitations of their like uh, promo performance where it's like, well, I'm I'm not really feeling, I'm not really feeling the suffering and the meaning and the weight of those words that you're saying to me. Like, you know, I, I, you know, I believe that it's probably very difficult to grow up in those circumstances, but like, you gotta, you gotta make me feel it. You can't just like say it. So that's, that's kind of like I'm like oh they, you know they were so close to really having a great heavy, you know meaningful, thing that really makes you feel some emotion about these guys in these matches and it just didn't didn't quite get there.
1: And it's something that you like you have Tolly Anderson and you wonder it's like okay you could have had a uh, Anderson sorry Tolly Blanchard <laughs> yeah. yeah whoa uh, but you could have too had Tolly Anderson's on this show way too many Andersons we had
2: three yeah we had three Andersons
1: yeah so i want to
2: see an angle where carl anderson tries to like buddy up to to brock and arn and be like hey i'm an anderson and then like tries to pretend that he's actually related to them that would be amusing to me he's like drunk the whole time
1: (laughs) and and he's going around to he's just going around saying like we're anderson's we're anderson's guys and and then arn and Brock. he gets his
2: own like anderson family tracksuit printed up and just shows up with it backstage he's (laughs) like hey guys
1: and it's like, oh, and they're like, you're you're not related to Oli or Gene. It's like, no, I'm like the second cousin. Like a real Lance von Eric thing is yes, what they could this, have played
2: on. This is second cousin, twice removed. Uh, yeah. You know, we both know uh, Gertrude. Gertrude Anderson. Yeah, you remember her, all that Auntie gertrude Okay. And then he tries to take, take Brock out for drinks.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, 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 there's a lot of mileage with a Fighting Anderson storyline up. We went backstage with Jay Cargo. This is
2: they have to they have to have a big segment or a big story for Carl because Doc will be yeah. busy tearing up the singles division of course. Um, so you have to get you move move Carl into like a, a tag team thing with Brock while while Doc Gallows is like uh, main you know, event. top top singles champion yeah yeah
1: main eventing starting his own jewelry line. I mean you know he I'm surprised that uh, Doc Gallows hasn't gotten into turquoise because he seems like someone who'd be really into turquoise
2: i know they were selling their own shirts i was trying to think what kind of market there would be for pro
1: wrestling earrings danglies yeah Yeah. (laughs) Doc's danglies. i don't
2: i don't know if that maybe you can do like clip-ons that'd be like a
1: yeah a
2: funny thing it would it would it would i would get less joy out of it if every wrestling fan started wearing these around to like What's the StarCast or whatever? And he's got a fake Doc Gallows earring. That would be, it would be less cool to me then. I just like when, I only like when it's Doc Gallows and BTS, are the only people with dangly earring.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's something that, I, I mean, then you go to the fan fest and they would have like piercing stations where like, you, you get your ear pierced. They bring out Claire's to bring out the gun and then you have to. Out,
2: oh, no, that doesn't work. I was going to say, who was the piercing guy from WWE, but I think it was Draws.
1: Uh, so no, that was work. Albert was Albert.
2: Albert? Oh, Albert did have piercings. but Wasn't Draws like actually a piercer? Like that was his, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm the piercer for the, for the fucking, what was it? Sons of Anarchy stable?
1: Well, well, like Draws, like, yeah, they like, they had something like this and then they had someone who was supposed to be like their drug guy between them, like, like that. that. They had like a whole entire like parallel universe happening on Saturday Night Teat and Saturday Night Shotgun with like draws and Albert talking about piercings and such.
2: Oh, I hope AEW Rampage has a Shotgun Saturday Night feel where it's like, oh, there's a vague silhouette of a dancing woman in the opening titles. Isn't that
1: sexy? (laughs) I mean, they they can get really weird with it. And I think that, like, I think they should. Yeah. you, You take how weird they were here and you can make it work. Long Excalibur
2: term. shouted out that he wanted uh, uh, Take- Takeshita and, and Maki Ito on AEW Rampage, which seemed like a uh, seemed seemed like a non sequitur. Like there had it had not come up on Twitter or anything. Yeah, and um, seemed like very specific. It was like I I want them on this show, maybe not on Dynamite, but I do want them on this TV show, which uh, I don't know. It, it was it was overly specific, unless it I... had some kind of meaning to him. I guess.
1: I think that because Tokyo Joshi does like that's t- TJ uh, shows right after Dynamite, maybe he's thinking like, okay, we're gonna get some synergy going here with Takashita okay. and Ito. Yeah, so that's Friday true. They, they
2: were doing those TJPW shows, uh, yeah, streaming. Yeah,
1: because like they have most of like DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro are usually early evening shows versus like the later night shows. So I mean, like, yeah, you got some synergy there with like Corkins and with like that. I buy it. But still, that, that that's a very bizarre thing. Just out of nowhere to say, yeah, I want Kenosuke Takeshita and Makito back just for our late night Friday show. That's right, just curious. bizarre, very curious. Uh, Jay Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling were backstage. Uh, Mark Sterling's done a great job because Jay Cargill's monetization plan is on track. There's no more bamboozles. Uh, profits are up to forty four percent, and they're capitalizing on her catchphrases and just like. Great little, like, uh, did this act the more that I see them together? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, Smart story. starting, it's great. Like, like, this could be really good, but like, they have like actual, like, really good, like, client, uh, uh, lawyer kind of energy and chemistry there. And it's just one of those things that they, they were on the screen for like one minute and it was perfect.
2: Yeah. Uh, you may have noticed earlier in the show, if you notice an edit when Mike was doing the ad read, it is because he accidentally said the promo code that bitch for the Manscaped ad read, uh, because of course, that is Jade Cargill's yes uh, uh, uh promo code is that bitch so uh which is, uh, I, I enjoyed a lot here and obviously mike enjoyed it a lot because he actually said that earlier so there's an explanation for that if you're wondering
1: yeah yeah and uh, i mean i don't want to have to deal with the law of offices of smart mark sterling to be no honest. you
2: do not want to infringe on that
1: bitch no i do not whatsoever and then with the main event matt jackson and the good brothers versus penta el Ceramedo, eddie kingston and the elite hunter frankie kazarian you could tell that another reason why they were really filling time. We got main event entrances for each member of the face team. Carl uh, Anderson got the win for the elite bullet club team with a top rope gun stun after Nick Jackson interfered with the cold spray. And just, I thought this was an absolute blast of like a road to main event trios match.
2: Yeah. These, I mean, they're, they're so good at trios matches in this promotion, especially when they put them on in the big spot and give them time. Uh, and it, you know, makes sense with, with the good brothers and Matt Jackson, uh, especially because you, like you said, they, you know, or like you alluded to, they've done a zillion of these on, you know, undercards on new Japan shows or whatever. Um, it is, you know, I guess you don't want to, you don't want to pin Eddie because Eddie's like basically in your main event. Now he's like a main event guy with John Moxley. So you don't want to pin him. Kaz just had his gimmick repackaged into the elite hunter uh and is getting some heat off of that so you don't want to pin him it is very frustrating that they just beat pentagon like a drum in this promotion they put him with alex abrahantez out here being a geek um i you know i i i I don't really begrudge having the, the heels go over here uh but i don't know i just i just wish they didn't have to beat pentagon so
1: much yeah, and it's one of those things that like it just happens so often that you're at a point where you're like okay and you, this match had no doubt in it whatsoever. And it's not necessarily like a bad thing to have like things that are predictable, but it just was so predictable at a certain point there's like oh yeah, all right. So I know this is going to happen. Nick Jackson came in and hit the cold spray. Like it was all executed well, but at the end of the day, you're just like oh yeah, there's no doubt in mind.
2: Yeah, match they match. did. Yeah, they did cheat and there was heel interference, so it gives them a little coverage, but Yeah, it's just like, oh, you know, you could actually just like have Pentagon win all the time and be a badass and not have a little geek manager. And like, you might have like another top character you could use, but they they don't want to do that. So,
1: whatever, just got to accept it at some point. And that was what we had for our last taped dynamite, Nate. They are going on the road and they are not taping anything. It seems like at least through what all has been announced.
2: Yeah, well, um, there were some. Details in a interview Tony Khan did with PW Insider about how they're going to be taping once they get back on the road full time. So we might have to look at like a come August AEW Rampage is for sure going to be taped sometimes when they're mm-hmm. doing dyna, or dark, yeah Dynamite shows. So um, but hey, I'm I'm happy to go back live. I hope uh, hope they get fans showing up big and and coming back to being you know one of the strong points of this promotion.
1: Yeah, and it's something that with how they're going to tape with rampage and then elevation and Dark, like they're, they're talking about getting a venue for dark, like a special venue for that. That's something that's very interesting to hear that that's coming out when it did not seem like, like, I mean, the nightmare factory is right there. You have all these like training schools and stuff Like if you're doing like a true developmental show, you could do that there. But if you're looking into like renting out a venue just for dark, it, there's a lot of options and just kind of just is a wild thing to think about. Yeah,
2: um, I mean, having a having like a studio venue kind of makes sense when you're putting out this much content, uh, and you 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 can't ta- you can't go and do Dynamite Live and also tape Dark and Elevation and Rampage all at your Dynamite shows. That doesn't work. So to that point, it feels like a good idea to do like oh we'll have a we'll have a studio or we'll set up in daily place semi-permanently or we'll get center stage and have a studio there and also do matches the difficulty with that is dark is where you're doing your untested talent that you're trying out or whatever or giving guys a shot uh and are you it's going to be more difficult to draw with those in the same place week after week right. when you're not when you're not bringing in you know uh Kenny Omega to wrestle Takeshita or whatever. Um, well, a similar a promotion having basically the exact same problem, or will be having the exact same problem, is New Japan, which has been running these strong shows in an empty studio for what feels like decades. Um, they should just do those together. Just be like, hey, at it, it, center stage, it's going to be AEW slash New Japan, dark and strong, and you can do a two hour show and tape an hour of dark and take an hour of strong. And then you have an undercard with dark and then you can have whatever higher level new Japan matches. Maybe. I mean, you know, if if new Japan is still just booking JR Kratos or whatever, but presumably new Japan will be bringing over, you know, top new Japan wrestlers to, to, to filter in on those shows as well. Um, And that'd be cool. Just be like, Hey, come and see Danny limelight. Uh, beat somebody on Dark in the undercard. And then in the main event, you can see uh, Hiroki Goto, you know, beat Hikalei or whatever. I think that would be a good compromise that just came up.
1: Yeah, and you said center stage. I mean, that's a two-hour drive for me. Like, I will go drive to go see. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a Clark Connors versus in a crossover match, Clark Connors versus Lee Johnson. Like, that sounds like a great match to me. Like, there's yeah, there's a lot of stuff do there
2: yeah they share rosters between a lot of those guys at this point too so yeah uh good brothers are just got announced for new japan tag team tournament or whatever um so there you go that's a free free one for you rocky and tony
1: yeah there we go there we go speaking of content you can get all the content you could ever wish for on patreon.com everything elite we have three tiers $3, $5, $8, $5 will get you everything we record. We've been doing the Patreon since November of 2019. I think we are up to close to, if not over 200 shows at this point on the Patreon, you get access to our discord where we all hang out during the shows and on the $8 tier, as they're getting back to regular programming, you'll be able to listen to everything elite record each week live. So that's at patreon.com slash everything elite. This week on Monday with PWG coming back, I talked about how the PWG coming into 2021 and how the wrestling landscape has changed and what is the place of PWG in wrestling and how AEW can, might end up relating itself to PWG and helping out in a lot of ways. We had Light on Friday. That is our preview show for Dynamite. It's usually Aaron and I previewing the show talking about Dark and Elevation and Nate with the vlog quick hits. we don't really have stuff lined up at the moment for next week but i'm certain we'll come up with something that's probably either gonna be very good or very insane we kind of go one way or the other with that and that is at patreon.com slash everything elite so looking at the schedule we have announced oh you had something else? you're about to jump in there
2: no i was gonna i was trying to trying to find a way to talk about uh brandon howard thurston's uh patreon wrestling podcast rankings uh, and there was a lot of confusion because the attitude era podcast also actually not even also it's called the ae podcast on there and people are like oh is that another uh, aew podcast um and i was going to say actually we're the top aew podcast on patreon um which i don't know if that's true because i haven't looked uh but aaron's been calling this the best aew podcast since the inception of the show. So I guess we're just fine making big grand statements like that. So the best, no, not the best, the top AEW podcast on Patreon.
1: I like that. I like it being the top. Uh, looking ahead uh, next Saturday, Saturday night, dynamite live in Jacksonville. We know that Kenny Omega will be defending the title against jungle boy. Hangman page versus powerhouse Hobbs. Then quick turnaround. So Saturday to Wednesday, they'll be back on Wednesday night. Their last show in Jacksonville for a bit. The main event is MJF versus Sammy Guevara. TNT title match, Miro defending against Brian Pillman Jr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel versus Nyla and Vicky Guerrero. We have one match signed for the road trip that they have at Road Rager. It is a strap match in Miami. Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. And the schedule is getting really fleshed out. There's not a lot of dates they don't have not announced yet, Nate. Like with, uh, with that uh, uh, Grand Slam Dynamite. I think there's like one date at the end of July that's not announced, and like another one in September. But we have basically have almost everything up until October. So we must have the calendar for the remainder of 2021.
2: All right. Make, make your prediction. Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. Is that at All Out in Chicago in September? Is that at Dynamite Grand Slam in New York in September? Or is that at
1: neither? I think, I think it'll be at Grand Slam because that'll be the biggest crowd in AEW history at that point.
2: That's true. It will be the biggest. It's uh, maybe set It's uh, at least set up for like 15K plus, which is more yeah. than the former Sears Center is set up for in Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, bigger um, than
1: uh, MG and Grand Garden Arena too.
2: They did their last title switch on Dynamite on television. Um, they have pretty much trained us that big things, big switches, big important Changes in the canon do not happen on pay per view at this point, so uh, I think I might agree with you. I think that might be the dynamite grand slam
1: match. It just it just like lines up there, and they want they want to do a big thing in New York City, and that's kind of like the big match that everything's been building for for the last year. So, and you could probably do some sick stuff with because uh, the Arthur Ashe because uh, they're they're going to be at center court for this, right? Like that's, yep,
2: that, yep, yep.
1: It has a roof, correct?
2: Yeah, it's got a retractable, so it can be open
1: or closed. Oh, you could do some neat stuff there.
2: Cause they, it, it, yeah, if they get if they get that place pretty full, I mean, I'm already I'm already telling you what my tweet's gonna be. It's gonna be we've got Georgia Dome vibes tonight because they're gonna have <laughs> they're gonna have the young upstart Hangman Page go in there with that packed building, on that'll still be TNT, uh, and it'll be it'll be a scene.
1: I mean, it could be another georgia dome event where we have they could bring in michael buffer to say that you know kenny omega he is from winnipeg manitoba canada but he truly is a citizen of the world
2: yeah i uh i I did wish that they would have michael buffer in this promotion but i did see him on that triller show the other day and he was not good uh and he he kind of stumbled on even his catchphrase and like his voice broke um i did justin roberts who uh, I, I have buried and will bury continuously for fucking up the North Carolina joke every single week. Uh, did a very funny, uh, not not Michael Buffer, his brother, who's the other Buffer, Bruce, Bruce Buffer. Uh, instead of doing an it's time. He did a now is the time, which is uh, yeah, not not quite as catchy. But I did appreciate that he tried to tried to ape it.
1: Yeah, t- tried to his own phrase that was just completely derivative there, but. It's going to be interesting. It it's something I hope that we get to see like this burgeoning MMA fake scene that we have in AEW cuz that was a good enough time that I I I want to see uh we've had Jake Hager, we've had Wardlow. Uh, I I forgot where I saw this map in VOW Slack like the idea of doing like Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker and that
2: That would be fun. Thunder Rosa's uh you know done shoot fights
1: in a cage right. before. Come back to Americas if I'm right. There you go. So. But I think unless you got anything else, I think that'll do it for us this week.
2: No, I have definitely nothing else
1: yep. So you could follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can throw Aaron a follow as long as he still has the account before Scientology makes him delete his Twitter account at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at a um, at Fujihea. If you'd like to support the show, use promo code thisIS at manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free shipping, or go to patreon.com slash everything elite. But for Nate, I'm Mike, and we'll catch you next time on Everything Elite. Take care.
2: Bye. Bye.